but I also don't want him to play. <laughs> I, I want him to rest for his own health. Yeah, rest for your own health, man. Just take a week off. Gotta, don't worry about it. Gotta look out for yourself. You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Hello, welcome to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the built-in Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Goddard. Tonight... Justin and I will preview the Week 9 matchup that the Buffalo Bills have against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, We're going to talk about our overall thoughts about this team, get you ready for the game, and of course, wrap it up with our game day predictions. But before we get into all that, you can always find us as well as our social media accounts and podcasting platforms, and even on YouTube by searching up The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. You can also find us a part of the Built-In Buffalo Network, so search them up as well. They have amazing shows and content there. So uh, definitely do that, but Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Um, Turning the page on that Miami game and looking forward to uh, heading down to Jacksonville for... uh which should be hopefully a pretty good beatdown. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, and I hope that that is the case here. (laughs) And, you know, it's a a little cold out here in Rochester right now. I don't know about you, but uh, this game is going to be on 1 p.m. on Sunday in Jacksonville. It's going to be sunny, 65 degrees. And right now it's cold and wet in Rochester, so... Kind of wish I could have been there, or I could be there, but uh, I don't think I'll be able to make that trip. Let's make some last-minute plans. Yeah, just call off of work and just... Yeah, just let's just okay. go. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, I, ha- I had a friend... So you remember when the Bills backed into the playoffs, right, because of Andy Dalton's touchdown throw? Yeah. So I had a friend who who got a got the attention of Kim Bagula saying, like, hey, we need tickets to the game, and she was like, here. Uh, yeah, you got it. And then my my other fr- our mutual friend reached out and like quote tweeted it saying, "I'm their friend. I will drive them all night and day. Give me the tickets." So she gave. She ended up giving the, the tickets to that mutual friend, and basically couldn't go and couldn't figure out how to release the tickets to. The person who originally reached out so they couldn't even make it to the game and the tickets just never got used so it's, and i remember my it's their it fault. was a wasted opportunity <laughs> I, I i guess but i i feel i feel bad for my original friend who reached out because they definitely earned the tickets but you know kim bagola gave the tickets to the wrong person <laughs> what a, what a huge mistake Anyways, uh, I'm envious of you if you can make it to that Jacksonville game. That, that's going to be a good one. But uh, let's talk about this primer. So we got to start here by, by talking about the offense. And that's got to start with QB1, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick in this most recent draft. And he leads this Jacksonville Jaguars team. And right now he's got eight touchdowns and nine interceptions. Which isn't that great, but again, he's a rookie, and that's why I'm not going to hate on him too much. And do you remember when Josh Allen was a rookie, Justin? Like, for all the hate that people give 
um, some of these younger, younger quarterbacks going like, oh my God, they're terrible. Like, look, look at Josh Allen. Look at where he started and where he's at right now. So I, I, I'm not going to hate on him too much. And Trevor Lawrence has shown that he's got some legs on him, which, you know, I feel like he's using a lot right now, which I didn't suspect him using too much. But, uh, hey, he's doing he's doing some work with that. We'll see what Frazier dials up against uh, Trevor Lawrence because he typically has a really good field days with rookie quarterbacks. So I suspect something is already being cooked back in the kitchen. What's your thoughts about Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, he's he's towards the bottom of the league for a lot of metrics, and you know he's he's a rookie quarterback with what eight eight games under his belt. And to your point about Josh Allen as a rookie, like. Yeah, Josh Allen didn't look like a great quarterback his rookie year. He just had so many fun moments of like the ridiculous athleticism and stuff that was like, even if you were losing a game, it it got you hype. Um, mm-hmm. What I will say for Josh is he had a pretty disastrous cast of characters around him in his first year. Mm-hmm. And I think Trevor Lawrence has a lot more by the way of weaponry. Um, but I Really? Yeah. I Albeit there's some injuries that they're dealing with, and we'll get to that. But, I mean, Marvin Jones was better than Zay Jones when Josh came into the league. We had we had Deontay Thompson, no disrespect, Deontay, but we had Deontay Thompson running around there. We brought him Kelvin Benjamin. Like, he didn't have much to work Robert with for Foster. a couple of years. Yeah. Hey, but he had Shady. Remember when we thought Robert Foster was, like, the legit number one receiver we were looking for, and then he left, and he barely played snaps anywhere else. <laughs> I remember when I was watching, I forgot what game on TV. Uh, oh, it was against the Jaguars, actually. And you know that game where Al, the pa- uh, pocket's collapsing on Allen, he throws it deep to Robert Foster, <laughs> and he scores a touchdown. That was yeah, dance. does that weird, you know, that, that was the weirdest touchdown dance I've, I've seen in a while. And I remember when they brought up Robert Foster. They put a graphic on the screen saying a star is born. And it flared out after that season because he, he was never mentioned again. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, they, they do have some injuries going on um, to some big weapons, but I mean, you're still talking Marvin Jones. You got LaVisca Chenault. who's was a nice player. You got James Robinson. You have, you have some pieces there. Um, and I think that's kind of showing he's having, you know, mixed results in his first year. Um, but against a defense that's been playing well and a head coach McDermott and Leslie Frazier drawing up game plans, they they feast on young quarterbacks. And the biggest number that I'm looking for, looking at right now with Trevor Lawrence is the nine interceptions tied for the lead league. And I think that number is going to go up after Sunday. Yeah, let's, let's hope that uh, it does. And hey, Maybe he throws so many interceptions that uh, that he he ties Manning's. Uh, what was it? I, I, some Manning's got like some ridiculous rookie uh, record for throwing picks, and I, obviously that's not going to happen. He'd have to throw like forty picks or something like that, <laughs> like something crazy. But that'd be a that'd be a great sight to see. Um, I, I definitely foresee a interception coming coming to Leslie Frazier in that defense. But uh, let's move over to the running backs, and you know we got to talk about Etienne. He's not there because he got injured in the off season. And you remember when 
there was this huge speculation, especially on draft day, saying like, oh, the Bills are really, really rumored to go get Chavs ETN. And I I legitimately thought for a second, I was like, oh, we're about to get Travis Etienne. I, I didn't think we were going to do that, but here we are. We're about to take a running back in the first round, and uh, obviously that didn't happen. And now we now we have to face James Robinson, who is a very very good running back. Who I'm not sure how he was an undrafted free agent last year. He, he's really good, really really good, and he's picking right. He's picking up right where he left off last year. Last year he was really good. I think he was in that top NFL 100 year, the 100 list. And this year he's literally doing the same thing, if not better. Currently he's on the injury list, and I know you did your research on that, so I'll hand the keys over to you on to let you talk about Etn and Robinson. Yeah, so Etn is kind of brought in to be you know, more of a gadgety, complimentary piece, you know, when you have a, a guy like James Robinson, he's kind of your between the tackles, and he, he's shown he can do that. Um, but this is kind of where we, we start the list with some of the talent that Lawrence has around him that's kind of banged up. And, you know, you never really got to see them play uh, any meaningful snaps together. He was lost, I think it was before the season even started in preseason. Um, and now you see James Robinson, who's kind of a real focal por- point for them, can really get it done on the ground, help them manage games. And he's currently dealing with a heel injury. Um, they initially thought it was going to be more serious, and they're listing him as day-to-day. Um, so with a guy like that, that's kind of your focal point. And in, in, in my opinion, you know, err on the side of caution and give him a little extra rest. You're not playing, you're already not playing very meaningful football. Um, But I don't know. I don't really agree with how Jacksonville is running their organization. So I think there's a good chance that we do see him on Sunday. Um, Mm -hmm. Just kind of a matter of if they limit his snaps and, and how effective he is with that injury. Yeah. And if he is active, and they split time with him and the other running backs, who we'll get to in a second. Um, we'll see a lot more of Carlos Hyde and some other guys. And all I, I'll let you kind of take over this area, but all I have to say about Carlos Hyde is that he's a backup's backup now, and he's definitely on the back nine of his career, in my opinion. And uh, the other guys we're not too really concerned about. Yeah, Carlos Carlos Hyde, uh, he was a pretty effective running back for a while, but as you said, he's in the later stages of his career. I don't think he's really striking fear in anybody. And then the other two guys, I think had, I think they have a combined like six carries this year. I mostly threw them in there, hoping that you would say their names, but I guess I'll I'll take a whack at it. We got uh, Dare Ogunbowale and Divine Ozigba. Um, <laughs> You only want me to say their names because you know I'm bad at it. I just wanted to watch you struggle, but Oh, I'm terrible. Hey, they're guys on NFL roster, so maybe maybe they have some impact, but I'm, they're not really guys that are con- concerning me. My biggest focal point here is whether or not James Robinson plays. Right, right. And I mean, I hope he's good because James Robinson seems like a cool dude and he's I like his story being undrafted and now he's a very good running back in this league. 
but I also don't want him to play. <laughs> I, I want him to rest for his own health. Yeah, rest for your own health, man. Just take a week off. Gotta, don't worry about it. Gotta look it. out for yourself. Yeah, man. Let's transition to these wide receivers. And at the top of the depth chart, Marvin Jones. And I've always liked Marvin Jones. He's he's like all around a solid receiver, in my opinion. And, hey, he produced in Detroit. In Detroit. So I think that's enough said. <laughs> and then you look over, if, as you go down the list, it's LaVisca Chenault. Remember when the Bills were speculated to take this guy as well? Obviously, we didn't take him, and Jacksonville did. And he's pretty good, too. You put him out in space, he can make some people move, or he can make some people miss. And I, I think the biggest thing with LaVisca Chenault is his health injury concerns, but uh, that hasn't really seemed like a problem this year. And then outside of that, they got Jamal Agnew, Tavon Austin, and Tyron Johnson. I'll just say meh. And then on IR, who's not going to be there for the rest of the season, is DJ Chark. So their top guy, out. Yeah, and some of those uh, more reserved players, they don't really do much for me. Um, But I think if you look at this receiving core with DJ Chark in there, it's a really good receiving core. When when you take him out and, you know, now LaVisca's forced into more of a number two role, I don't think he's really meant to be that. And I think Marvin Jones is a, a very good, well-rounded receiver. He can kind of beat you at all levels of the field. He's not like, you know, a specialized guy that's only there to take the top off or whatever. He can kind of do everything. And I think with DJ Shark in there and having LaVisca be – a third guy that you know you can do some of the jet sweep with some of the gadgety stuff work him out of the slot a little bit i think it's a totally different receiving core um but when we're looking at you know having two two of the bigger names i think if you can really slow down marvin jones what lavisca Chanel brings to the table can kind of be neutralized pretty easily um so the the main guy there is you know, maybe have Trey Shadow, uh, Trey Shadow, Marvin Jones, and and kind of let the rest of the pieces fall as they may. Um, but I don't think there's too much outside of that for weaponry. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. I don't even think Trey really needs to shadow anyone. I th- I think Levi could be very serviceable against um, Marvin Jones, but uh, we'll we'll see how how that shakes out. Let's move over into the tight end room. So they got Dan Arnold, Luke Farrell, Chris Manhurts, and our guy, Jacob Hollister. You you guys remember him, right? So let's stop at the top, start, sorry, at the top of the list. I'm having some trouble talking right now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> hey, at least I pronounced their name right. There you go. Uh, but Dan Arnold, he's a guy that some Bills fans wanted in this offseason, and he's a very solid player. I see you raising your hand there, Justin, so I'll let you take over. Uh, to talk about Dan Arnold here in just a moment. You know, when it comes to Luke Farrell and Chris Manhurts, I don't know anything about these two players. I, I'd imagine that they're probably buried in the depth chart because they also have a guy named Jacob Hollister. You know him. He's a player that the Bills signed who I was happy to see in Buffalo. And in yesterday's episode, we, you and I talked about like how we thought this guy was a roster lock. And it just turns out that Tommy Sweeney was really 
the guy all along. They just wanted to make sure he was healthy. Um, and Hollister got scooped up off the street very quickly and signed with Jacksonville. And I'm, I'm very happy to see that he got that opportunity. But Jacob Hollister, definitely a, uh, a tight end that I, I personally like a lot. Yeah, Dan Arnold is somebody I talked about in the offseason that I uh, was before we brought in Hollister that I was interested in um, as an option for the Bills. He kind of reminds me of like a Dawson Knox type profile, um, a little bit less on the athletic side, but he he has the length and he has the he has better ball skills, I'd say. Um, mm. And he was kind of like my idea for an insurance policy if Knox weren't to take that next step. Um, and of course, you know we see what's happening this year, so it's kind of a moot point. Um, the one that's interesting to me here is that they have Jacob Hollister listed as fourth. Um, when I, I really thought he was going to make a very talented Bills team. And mm-hmm. the guys they have listed in front of him, uh, Luke, Luke Farrell was a fifth-round pick this past draft. And then Manhurts is he's a pretty good blocking tight end. He came over from Carolina. Um, he hurts man. Yeah, he, hurt, he hurts men. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It blocks men. Yeah, not he's not somebody I'm really too concerned with in the passing game, but like in a two tight end set, he he can do his job blocking. Um, interesting mm-hmm. to me that Hollister's so buried. Yeah, and hey, we even talk about this, but oh my god, why am I blanking on on this guy's name? Um, he was the tight end who came out of retirement. Well, he he transitioned to be a tight end. Oh my God! Quarterback, Florida Gators, oh, Broncos. Tebow. Well, yeah, Tim Tebow. Thank, thank you. I was struggling with his name. How did this guy not make the roster? <laughs> no, he, he. In all, in all seriousness, I, I really thought at one point that Tim Tebow was going to make this team, just for the big name reasons, and obviously the, the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't that enough to do something like that. But they did get a coach that looks like he's struggling right now and we'll get to him in a second but we got to talk about this offensive line so from left to right it's cam robinson andrew norwell tyler shantley ben barch and Jawan taylor you know pff ranks this offensive line 23rd in the nfl and ESPN put out their pass block, rush block, win rate. So I, I kind of gave you that right here. So pass blocking, they're ranked 18th, good for 58% of the time. Run blocking, 19th at 69%. And I, I know Jawan Taylor. He was the tackle coming out of Florida, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, and I remember he slipped all the way down to the second round. And I'm not really sure why that happened, but a lot of Bills fans were like, oh, maybe we should get him. Maybe we should get him. And obviously we didn't. And another name out there is, you know, Andrew Norwell, who some fans currently right now wanted to get with that uh, by the end of the trade deadline. And we're recording this on Tuesday at like 8 o'clock. He's not coming to Buffalo, guys. <laughs> I guess it would have been cool to have, uh, you know, elite guard, but uh, it, it just didn't happen, and it it probably would have been too much to get him in here. Yeah, and some of the numbers that you throw out there are a little bit surprising to me because um, I feel like the offensive line is is actually 
one of the strengths of this team. Um, mm-hmm. They have the in Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor. That's two pretty good tackles. Uh, I think Norwell's at least an above average guard, um, mm-hmm. and then Shatley and Barch. I think they're both pretty good players, um, but I don't think I don't think the way you're getting to Trevor Lawrence is going to be from the edges per, per se. I think this is the type of game where maybe we see Ed Oliver flashing up the middle again. Um, like I said, I, I think that's a pretty good offensive line, so maybe it's a little bit of Trevor Lawrence holding the ball too long while he's processing or, and whatnot. And on, on the run blocking side of things, kind of teams being able to key in knowing that Jacksonville wants to run the ball. Um, but I, I think those numbers are a little bit low. I think this is a pretty talented offensive line. Right, right. Well, before we transition over to defense, we're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to wrap up to today's episode by talking about the defensive side of football for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we're going to start with the safeties. Safeties here. So they have Rashawn Jenkins, Andrew Ringard, Rudy Ford, Andre Sisco, and I'll be honest, Justin, I don't really know any of these players, but I know you did your research <laughs> and because you're a good podcaster. And for me, I, I kind of looked at this room and I was like, who are these people? I know, I, I just don't really know too much about them. And I, I'll put it like this. Maybe the reason why I feel like this is because, you know, Jacksonville really hasn't been relevant since Blake Bortles been their quarterback. And that sounds so weird to say, but they made it to the AFC championship because they had a really stinking good defense. And ever since then, pieces have come and gone. And hey, Marcel Darius was uh, was on that team too. Don't forget about that. And he's definitely not there anymore. So I, I don't know. It's just... Uh, I feel like they're slowly rebuilding right now. And unfortunately, these are the pieces that you get when you're in the early infancy stages of a rebuild because I just don't know who these people are. Yeah, I don't want you to give me too much credit here. I I had to do my research because I also wasn't very familiar with a lot of these players. Um, I think Rayshon Jenkins is a pretty good safety. Um, We're starting to see Andre Sisco was a draft pick in this past draft and they've recently started giving him a small handful of snaps per game. Um, I would guess that that's probably, you know, Wingard isn't really playing up to their expectations. So they're kind of giving the young man a chance. Um, Mm -hmm. I know Cisco was one of the top rated safeties in the, in the draft. So I'm kind of curious to see if this is a game where they start giving him some more looks. And if we, you know, maybe he gets there in there a little bit more. Maybe he plays well, or or maybe it gives us a chance to kind of exploit a young guy on the back end. Um, you know, getting some of your first NFL game action and lining up against our receiving core. It's a, it's a pretty daunting task. So we'll see how it goes there for him if he gets in. Yeah, definitely no. They're not uh, Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde level, uh, or, you know, even even anything close to that really. So uh, I think they might have uh, their hands full with our wide receiver cores, but you know who else might have 
a handful with our wide receiving core? They're cornerbacks. And I think the cornerbacks is actually a decent strength of this team. They got Shaquille Griffin, uh, a really solid player in this league. I thought he did pretty well during his time in Seattle. And then on the other side, they have Tyson Campbell, who's a rookie, 6'1", 195 pounds, and 195 pounds. I don't know why I said it like that. And he's got the makeup of a good cornerback, but obviously he's got to prove it. I I do like Shaquille Griffin a lot. I just don't. I mean, what what are you gonna do when Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, Davis, or Sweeney come at you? Like, yeah, obviously Sweeney will probably get taken by a linebacker or something. But uh, I I just don't really like their odds. You know. Yeah, I I think they have a pretty good cornerback tandem. Um, if we go way back to the mock draft season, Tyson Campbell is definitely somebody I was looking at for the Bills um, to bring in and try try to supplant uh, Levi Wallace. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, didn't happen. So I, he you got the goose. Yeah, he's a guy that I like. I, we didn't get him, but we did get the goose, and he has not been on the loose. He's been very very contained mm-hmm. um, on the practice squad. Yeah, but. Like we kind of alluded to with Cisco, you know, you can have the makeup of an NFL cornerback safety, whatever, um, but you're still pretty early into your career, and you're you're talking elite route running technicians in Diggs, Beasley, Sanders, um, mm-hmm. Gabe Davis coming out there to big boy you. Um, so I, I do think that they'll they'll hold their own um, to an extent, but at a certain point covering all these receivers the whole game with kind of some of their deficiencies. I, I don't see it lasting very long. Yeah, it should be, uh, it'll make, I think the bill strength will make the strength, I, the cornerback room of the Jacksonville Jaguars look like their weakness. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the defensive line here and we'll start with the guys up the middle. Uh, Dewan Smoot. He's the only guy on this defensive line with with a sack, two and a half to be exact. And outside of him, there's Malcolm Brown and Devon Hamilton. So we should be good to go on against these guys, but uh, we'll see because we know John Feliciano's list is doubtful. Uh, I, I suspect that Ike Bakker will come in. Um, if Spencer Brown can't come in, then that really just changes things up, and we might actually be in for a rough ride against these guys, or and maybe somebody will get their first sack. But maybe I'm just thinking a worst case scenario. Yeah, and so they run a base three four defense. So I mean, these guys are they're defensive linemen, um, but these guys are more to me about eating up space and freeing up lanes and kind of clogging up the middle. Um, so I'm going to kind of work the linebackers in there too and just kind of transition into that because I I almost consider their outside linebackers as defensive linemen. Um, they're, they're those true edge players. They can, they'll drop into coverage with tight ends and whatnot. But this is where I think their real defensive strength is in two of their linebackers in particular, and Josh Allen, not the quarterback, and Miles Jack, um, those two coming off the edge can can be a real problem. 
Um, Josh Allen himself has four and a half sacks this year. Um, I don't think Miles Jack has recorded any sacks, but they're both very athletic. They can move like defensive ends. They can move like outside linebackers. And I, I think that's a spot on the defense that we really need to focus our scheme around because they can both cause lots of problems. Right. So you just went right into linebackers there. So good for you. Uh, and you covered everything I was pretty much going to say. So, uh, you know, I'll start with Josh Allen here. And you mentioned his sacks this year. So he's doing pretty good, in my opinion. And, you know, Josh Allen is someone who I wanted the Bills to take in that draft. Obviously, we didn't have the opportunity, but I only wanted him for two reasons. One, because it would have addressed pass rush, which the Bills did heavily <laughs> in this most recent draft, and so we could have been ahead of that. And two, because he, then we could have had two Josh Allens on our team. So that would have been really cool. <laughs> and both of them are doing pretty well this year. And then Miles Jack, he's very good in my opinion. Definitely someone, these two guys are, you know, obviously the Bills have to game plan around. And I already mentioned the offensive line combinations and injuries and how they, how they, how that could be in the game and how it could affect them. But uh, let's hope that that's not the case, right? And then, of course, we have uh, Jihad Ward and Damian Wilson, and I just don't know anything about these guys, so hopefully that's it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to be kind of working more of the middle. They're they're not guys that I'm as impressed with, so maybe there's some opportunities in the middle. Maybe Dawson Knox is back, um, but their their linebacking core in general is kind of where I'm staying away from. I would, I'd really mm-hmm. like to work the wide receivers and and make those younger players really hold up in coverage. Right, right. Let's transition to the last part of this episode, and let's just talk about their coaching. So we know Urban Meyer might be a guy for them next year, but he's he's gotten himself into some shenanigans, right? So I'll say this. There were a lot of Halloween costumes that I saw where (laughs) – People were dressing up as Urban Meyer and like their girlfriends were that blind chick at the bar. It was so, it was, you know, it's it's funny, but it's not funny, right? <laughs> and he didn't fly home after that game in London. And the transition from college to announcing to the NFL hasn't really been smooth for a guy like him. And I think it's showing currently. And who knows if he's there, you know, uh, next year, but uh, we'll see. And when it comes to offensive coordinating, they have Darrell, oh, I'm sorry, Daryl Bevel, who's 17th in overall offense in the league. And then for defensive coordinator, they have Joe Cullen, 26th, 26th overall defense in the league. So not great. Not great. Yeah, Cullen doesn't impress me. I like Daryl Bevel, and I think. He's been able to do some things with this offense considering, you know, having a rookie quarterback thrown right in there. Um, some of the some of the deficiencies that they're working with. He's actually my current top pick for taking over when Urban Meyer inevitably gets fired. Uh mm. I don't want to speak too much on Urban Meyer, but he's not 
he's not who I would want leading my organization. Um, I didn't like him before the NFL. I don't like him now. Um, I feel like this reminds me a lot of like the Rex Ryan hire in Buffalo when they, when the Pagulas took over or it's like this, this bolstery name that sells tickets and, and Jacksonville knows that, that, you know, they're not selling tickets. So it kind of, you know, brings some people into the stands. I think it was the same thing with the Tebow move. I don't think they ever mm-hmm. had any intention of Tebow making any sort of noise on the roster. I think it was just kind of a way to get eyeballs and people's attention on the Jaguars for, you know, that's that's a fan base that when they're, when we played them in that, what, are, what was it, like 3-13 to 13 playoff game? Yeah, it was. It's a fan base bad. that didn't even sell out a playoff game. So, I mean, I can't really fault them for wanting to make some sort of loud move to sell tickets but at the same time i don't i don't think that experiment is going well or is going to end well yeah i mean if you're right that's not how you win games i'll I'll just say it i'll just leave it at that i i I don't think i'm not going to say that that's what they did but i mean he was a prolific college coach Mm -hmm. so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Let's get to our game day predictions. Uh, I, I'm going to predict W here. This team is, as I mentioned, in the early stages of a rebuild. Leslie Frazier is really good against rookie quarterbacks, and I think he's already cooking up something good for Trevor Lawrence and company. Yeah, I got this one as a Bills win 24-7. to Um I started out a little bit more ambitious, but I, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a conservative game plan. I th- think we might have another week where we see a, a lot of trying to get the run game going. Um, so I think it might be another slow start. But as the game rolls on, I just don't, I don't think they have the horses in the stable to keep up. So that's my conservative uh, estimate there, I guess. Right. Well, let's hope. Uh... It's a bigger score for the Bills in and, and that W category. Anyways, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. Go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, and review our podcast as well as other amazing shows that you can find on the Built in Buffalo Network. We're always looking for great guests on our show, so if you're interested, feel free to reach out to us on our social media platforms by searching up The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Justin, where can the people find you? You can find me on any social media platform at jgods 22 and you can find me by searching up two changs. That's going to that's gonna do it for today's episode. Hopefully the Bills get a good W, and we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.